Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Welcome to this podcast where I'll be talking to Sharon about the route into assistant psychologist. I thought about this when I started to think almost like finish my undergrad degree some years ago now. What do I want to be? How do I get to uh, to be a professional um, person, especially in the role of becoming a psychologist? So we're going to talk to Sharon about her route into how she got there, uh, which will provide some interesting uh, insight and some uh, um, perspectives on like the challenges and also what to do to get there. So I'm going to welcome Sharon. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Psychology Cast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on a podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm doing well. I'm having a lovely Saturday morning, um, just relaxing, trying to take a break from a busy week. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to share some insight into assistant psychology life with you and everyone listening and watching. Tell us a bit about that. You basically, just what you do is at the moment, isn't it? The assistant psychologist. Is that full time? Is that permanent? Is that on a contract basis? How, do, how does that all work? What's, what's happening right now? What role, do you, what role are you doing at the moment in more detail, specifically um, related to assistant psychologist? Yeah, so um, at the moment I work in two different services. So I'm in a split post between a dementia service and then also a stroke service. So um, I spend half my week in the dementia side and then half my week with the stroke service. And I do that full time. I've been there for coming up to a year now and they actually renewed my contract. So um, that was very exciting because when I first got the job, it was only for a year. And I think for a lot of assistant psychologists out there, once you have your job, it's not necessarily permanent and it can be a six month contract or a year contract. Um, and it can be quite uncertain once you hit that year mark. Um, and that's in the NHS as well. When did you start? I started last, well, this January, actually. So yeah, the last January. A year. yeah coming up to a year and it's my first assistant psychologist job my first um proper job I guess um outside of uni after graduating so I had about six months of looking for an assistant psychologist job and during that time I was working as an ABA tutor and so I just kept applying 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 and yeah finally got a job after a very very long time well I guess that's relative for me, it felt like a long time, but I know that other people, it does take a lot longer. So, yeah. Well, as I said, like, uh, what's the word, like, you know, um, almost a year, like, you know, do you mean in the year of COVID, right? So you probably just experienced what it was like just before COVID, right? Um, like in, you know, January. So like you just came in and you so you would have known what the working life and then you basically went into where we all went into lockdown, right? How was that? How was that for you? Like in the post, was that like? A shock or do you like okay I don't know what I'm doing okay is this you know because you're still picking up the I don't know the day-to-day -day stuff isn't it the role you're learning about this organization you know there's a lot of stuff it's not just about the role it's about the, the organizations you're working for isn't it and the patients and all of this stuff so how was it for you 
just before and how before the covid stuff like lockdown mm. and how was it after like what were the main things like that was a bit challenging or, or something yeah. that came to mind yeah i mean so like you said it was i was able to have a normal start to the job i was doing things face to face i was having all my training done face to face i was meeting all of my team face to face so i'm really grateful that i got to begin my job in that way because i think joining an organization now meeting everyone virtually is very challenging to create the team um and so i had just gotten used to doing assessments was just starting to do some low level interventions was about to start doing a group and then it all stopped and it was really frustrating because i had just become comfortable in the work that i was doing and i finally felt that i could breathe a little bit and i didn't feel stressed going into work every day and then when COVID happened, no one knew what they were doing. I was at home by myself without any um, real clinicians, I guess, around me face to face. So it was, it was quite challenging going from being really uncertain and starting a new job to becoming really comfortable and then to be uncertain again about everything. Um, and so all of the work now is done online apart from some of the dementia assessments which we, which we have to do in person just because we can't do them online because of technology cognitive difficulties and um, copyright stuff as well with testing um, but we're used to it now and I'm quite happy with working at home I've gotten used to it but I think if I were to have started during Covid I, I would have dealt with it completely differently I don't think I would have been as happy going into the work from home situation yeah, I I basically because I, I I work I work um in 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 um in a service, and um we've had a lot of people join the team during COVID, and it's I feel for them I do I, I hear what you're saying like because because I've been there for seven I don't know seven eight years now, um for a long time and um the new people that came in this week um so this year this year in the summer. You could tell that they, they wanted to, you know, they were trying hard. And I knew like, look, you don't have to try hard. Like, I know it's hard, like Jamin, what you're doing, like they were meet they were meeting virtually, right? And obviously my clinics were busy, so I couldn't even meet them properly in that sense. Um and I think that's part of, I don't know, um the whole transition, isn't it? When someone comes into the job, we meet people, but in the virtual space, that makes it awkward for um people to communicate not as well as someone was face to face and being in the environment and uh, you know getting a feel for the job so it's interesting you just experienced like just before and after isn't it that, that's quite a very unique experience isn't it two months I mean you would have been a very rare part of the population who did that like Jamin, you know if you think yeah. about it in the year of COVID like started new job eight weeks before COVID hit kind of thing yeah like oh what do I do and then um, how has the job been since um lockdown in during lockdown it's hard to compare yeah yeah, it's it's very complicated it changes all the time Mm. um so at the moment i'm working from home some days i'm going in some days i'm doing home visits 
on other days it really just depends um we risk assess everyone and that's kind of how we decide whether they will be seen face to face and that's for both um both of the services that i work in um for the stroke service because we do inpatient work as well we haven't been on the ward since march mm. um we've just been remoting in which has been really strange and has in some ways created tension within the mdt because you've got some people who have had to stay on the ward and are risking their own health while we're sat in our office literally we can see the hospital we can see the ward from our from our little therapy unit um and we're, we're separated from them so i guess in some ways there's been that kind of challenge of maybe some tension in the team in the mdt but um we've been able to carry on with all of our services it's been slower our waiting lists are a lot longer of course um i think everyone's experiencing that um, with covid and the impact that that's had on mental health um but i've also realized the utility of um services like age uk and um the stroke association they provided a lot of the befriending services that we usually step down to with some of our clients and a lot of those aren't running anymore um they they might be doing some over the phone but they're very busy and that's been difficult as well so we're finding that it's becoming a lot busier and we're not able to um, discharge people because we have nowhere to discharge them to at the moment so yeah it, it's been tricky <laughs> I suppose you, I, I assume basically this is sharpening your skills as a, a potential clinician for the future you're you know do you mean you're picking up on so much and plus in this very you know um, time of uncertainty and managing yourself isn't it it's managing your own life uh, you know uh, your being or your well-being um when you're involved in such ever-changing scenarios environments isn't it you have to adapt you have to adapt all the time isn't it um do you think that plays into like the psychology sort of like skills that the that the discipline blint brings because psychology is so adaptable isn't it it's not it can we can fit in different ways with different people because we have an understanding about human beings to a certain degree um, mm. and therefore we can use that knowledge to adapt ourselves and get perspective. Do you think it fits into your role? Yes, no, definitely. Mm. And I think working from home away from my supervisor, where usually as an assistant psychologist, you work very closely with your supervisor. You're usually in the same building with them. So if there's anything that you need, you can um, just knock on their door to see if they can help you out or if you're unsure about something and, working from home you don't have that um, security in a way so you do have to learn how to be a lot more independent but also be able to manage your own anxieties about the things that's going on around in the world around you outside but also within the worlds of the clients that you're working with but also I did a module on self-regulation um, during my undergrad which I've used a lot of during this time I've had to really manage my time at home stay motivated um which has been I, I never thought that would be useful um in the way it's been useful but yeah it's um yeah that as well as being able to communicate through technology we we'd never done that before and that's definitely a skill that i've um grown up on especially within um 
stroke services with people who have aphasia and things. Um, yeah, it's had to really improve. What would you say the difference between, like you said, like your supervisor there, mm. um, which is a psychologist, I presume? Yes. Yeah. So um, what would you say, like the, for the listeners out there, like, and I know you do great videos, we're going to come on to that. Um, basically, like, what would you say the differences are, like, between your role and their role? And what, you know, from your perspective, I'm not saying you have to give it like a discipline perspective, but what you think you're picking up on in that sense? Yeah, so the clinical responsibility is is held by them completely. So even though it is my caseload and I see the clients, ultimately they hold the responsibility for them. So I think um, they're always involved in all of the work that I do in some way. I'll bring to supervision, explain the cases. But the main difference I would say is that they do a lot of um, managerial work and organisational things, which I didn't realize until I started my my post as an AP I didn't realize as a psychologist that you have to do a lot of the business side of things and um, being a manager is a big part of that so and as an AP I don't have to worry about that I just deal with the clinical things and it's usually just all client-based which I, I love um, but also as an AP you are meant to assist the team in however way you can which means that you are saying yes to a lot of things and that can be a literature review that can be attending a webinar that maybe your supervisor can't attend so then you'll attend the webinar and pass over your notes which is fine because understandably they've got a lot more on their plates than you probably do and um in terms of the cases that you're given you're given the more low level um interventions groups um, and anything to do with risk you probably won't be dealing with um, if there's any safeguarding issues then the case will probably be passed on to your supervisor and you'll be there along the way to learn but they will take the lead on that so i think those are the main differences um, obviously the fact that they've done the training and we haven't so um, you're always trying to play catch up always attending CPD events. So I think those are the main differences. That's really helpful. Because um, I've never done the role myself. That's why I've always been intrigued. Okay, you know, um, I, I do work with psychologists um, and assistants, but I've never done the role myself. And I want to know, like, how does it feel for someone actually doing the role? Like on paper, yeah, we can we can have all these things. But it's like when you speak to the person that's actually doing the job, they can tell you exactly look, this is what is coming out straight away, yeah? Like, yeah, you can have a list of, like, job description duties and stuff we will have to follow, but these are the priorities or these are the ones that come to mind. Um, so, you know, thank you for sharing that. And you said about, um, you know, the clear, there's clear differences. Um, how does that make you feel? Like, you know, they, they're in charge, I mean, as a, as a potential person who wants to go on in that route, become a um, professional uh, qualified psychologist for this chartered whatever is that something that um, entices you like you know knowing the fact that there is going to be this um, organizational responsibilities and like I said business side of things like <laughs> so because you know I I think you're right I think you know in your head you think it's people right clinic work working with clients working with patients working with individuals but 
you think to yourself, wow, it's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole level that, you know, we don't even aware about. Um, how do you feel about that? And did, um, at university, for example, did they prepare you for that, for that thing? Or did they ever, have you ever come across that where they told you about that kind of thing? Or, um, so they, yeah, there's two sort of things there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not excited about the manager part of the role, to be honest. Um, because I can see it does take away from the clinical side of things when you do have to attend meetings every day to speak about organizational things. I understand that that's part of the role, but I can tell even my supervisors, they don't particularly want to be in those meetings. They'd rather be there for the clients. And I, I don't think anyone goes into clinical psychology and thinks, oh, I can't wait to do some organizational mm. managerial things today. I think most people <laughs> yeah. are there to um help the clients and so yeah i i think i i'm the same i'm not excited about that but i understand it's part of the job and in order to be impactful um and really help clients and maybe change the services that we're providing you do have to have an understanding of um, being a manager and the organizational um levels that that drive everything that happens within the NHS. So it is a very important part of being a psychologist. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that part though. So <laughs> there's that. And in terms of university preparing me, I would say no. I, um, I loved my undergrad degree. I learned a lot of different things, but I don't think anything prepared me for my assistant psychologist job or maybe even gave me any insight into what being a qualified psychologist looks like. We had a few lectures here and there, but in terms of having to be a good leader, that was never mentioned, um, as well as the business side of the NHS. The more and more that I work in the NHS, I realise it it's a business as well as a care provider, which wasn't, mm. wasn't taught to me at uni. Um, it was, yeah quite theory it was all theory based at university nothing was applied to real life or, or showed us how to how it might look like as a clinical psychologist but then again I wasn't on a clinical psychology undergrad yeah. course yeah. psychology um, BSE yeah and I suppose you know it's an academic institution right but there is a what they call a a um, how a philosophy like basically is it's perceived at what university education should be like and they're saying basically it should be 50 percent okay and you're gonna be like shocked I'm like, oh my god that doesn't happen um 50 percent theory 50 percent theory into practice that's how that's how research practice it should be but in terms of academia um especially research and stuff like that it needs to be looking at theory put it into practice like Jamin and that is but so at the moment they're saying the debate is about 80 20 percent 90 percent 90 percent theory into percent practice and so it's no it's no surprise when you say that you know Jamin because it was the same for me in that sense like okay well what does it mean how how can I use how can I use this thing that I've learned thank you very much that's a great theory how do I apply it you know because I, we, we invest a lot of money in our education um we want it to work and which I want to come on to like 
the route into psychology, like why'd you do it? And you know, what what drove you to this path in that sense? But oh, thank you so much for sharing around um an assistant psychologist. Here we go. Um apologies for the um drilling in the background if anyone can hear it, you know. Um you know, me, me and Sharon did have a conversation earlier about uh uh you know um managing this noise so um if you do hear drilling in the background don't worry there's no drilling going inside my house there's some drilling going outside uh, my house and um you know what better day to do it than today but hey everyone's got to work right um so um yeah sharon do you want to say something yeah no i was just going to add that um while i've explained my assistant psychologist um post every single assistant psychologist psychologist job is different um, even though the job descriptions look very similar, speaking to other APs, what's required of us, it really depends on your supervisor and the service that you work in, um, which is quite problematic in some ways, but I don't want anyone to listen to this and think that's what they're going to get because it probably won't be. Yeah, I suppose um, it, the the role will vary from to some degree, isn't it? In in every scenario, situation, patient work, organ um, part and organization, because NHS is massive, and every NHS is different. Like, you know, how one trust works different towards another trust, and their priorities according to the organization culture, population needs, um, and that's bound to have an effect of the work that we do as um, people in psychology. Um, so this other question is, I, I, I've always been interested in why are people, why are people interested in studying people? Like, why, do you mean, what, 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 what's, what's making them tick? Like, why do they, first of all, why do they care? What motivates them? And like, why are they even bothered about looking at other people? It's a bit like what's, motivate them or what's triggered them now if you were to say like for yourself why psychology like when did it first start for you when did you first start looking at people or when did you start thinking about helping other people or observing people or you know like that sort of thing because psychology is related to study of human behavior not there's a science of study of human behavior you know along those lines so when did when was it for you like when did you first first start coming across psychology like you know from your memory so it's funny i i never really saw psychology as a career but i always did watch people's behavior um because i was i went to a theater school and so i was training to be an actress and um do that and I yeah I went to a theatre school from the age of 11 till 16 and so I was training pretty much every day to do some acting and that was a big focus on watching people and their behaviour um and then I think when my grandma who I lived with um was diagnosed with dementia that's when psychology really came into the picture for me I, I might not have known it was called psychology and that's what I was looking into but I was trying to figure out why this was happening to someone who was so healthy. I mean, she was doing yoga up until the age of like 95 or something ridiculous. Um, and she, yeah, she lived a very healthy life and then she was completely different and she was 
um, diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she became a different person essentially. And so I was trying to figure out how, I think is probably the main question was how this was happening to her brain. And so I started researching and looking into psychology and, and just everything. I just ended up in a massive um, hole of it really, just searching and searching, reading loads of articles. And that's where I think my interest first began. And so as I moved to college and was studying psychology, I thought, okay, I need to think about my degree now. And it was between English literature and psychology and psychology seemed to have more options for me um, in terms of after graduating, you can go down many different paths with a psychology degree and um, the ability to be able to study people and their brains and I guess figuring out why they behave in certain way especially with things like um, dementia it, yeah it really interested me and to be able to help people as well um, was a big part of any job that I wanted to do I always wanted to help people um, so I think psychology was the answer to a lot of those questions and a lot of those um, uncertainties that's really um yeah i, I you know um helpful um I, I use the word and very moving um especially what you said about your grandma um like a personal experience um someone who's was like i say healthy doing stuff like yoga up in the age of like nine to five you know um and then suddenly there's these changes um you observe like she's just a different person or doing different things um how did that have on you as a person like did it basically make you more i know you were basically saying i might come on to that um around the acting um but with your grandma like did you feel yeah your your personality was i don't know changing or being touched in a certain way because any any members of your family could have studied psychology right but why do you think it affected you like is it i'm just thinking like are we predisposed like are we is it something in us in that sense like we're more inclined in that way to say we're more i don't know we're more intrigued we're more um uh, we've got this sort of like character to do this type of work well how did it have an impact on you yeah I mean it was really difficult but also quite a I think when people think of dementia they always think it's really negative mm. and it is it is it's an awful awful condition to be in but some parts were quite nice um and I think it just showed me how how dementia can really just impact everything it's not just mm -hmm. this linear thing and I am always the type of person to be asking why it's probably <laughs> the most annoying thing about me and yeah. I know my mum hates it I've always done it since I was a kid it's always why 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 do I have to do this why is this this way why does this thing work in this way and I think that is probably why psychology um, is the career that I've chosen because it does give me some of those answers, especially with my grandma, who was such an important person in my life and still is. I mean, I'm still talking about her today. So to be able to have some 
security in those answers in a really mm. unstable period of time um gave me some yeah gave me something <clears throat> I don't know what it gave me and I think my my personality type to always be curious and always want to learn I think that's why it was me and no one else in the family to go down psychology I think <laughs> no I think you know I think that, that there's a lot of truth I, I, I agree I'm I can relate to that part of the conversation. I can't relate to the acting, you know, um, but um, I can definitely can relate to this part around, um, uh, you know, because a family environment, my family had like a lot of problems, um, still do, um, but they're managed now. Um, but it made me question. It made me go through that thinking process. Like it really pushed me to that, to that edge to really ask questions. Why are we behaving the way we do? And, why is it like this and why are they doing that for? And and more importantly, what can we do about it? Like, do you mean like, how do I, if I know that stuff, so I basically studied psychology, but I think, okay, if I know that piece of information, because no one's telling me anything, right? Because no one knows what the hell is going on, right? That's the honest answer. But if I go and find out because no one's going to help me, if I spend a bit of time and a bit of money and a bit of like, I can find that, find that, find that answer to that thing. And then I can go and un- help them in that sense. So that, so yeah, personal experience for me, why I went into psychology, that's why I picked up the book in psychology, well, I started to look in that direction. It wasn't psychology, psychology, right? Because you, you don't know what it is. You're just asking the question, being curious, you know, you've got that sort of like, how do I make life easier for, for, for but in order to make life easier, you need to understand what, what is going on. Um, we do that by asking questions. And um, I think that's what's drove me to, that route and choosing psychology. So I can I, I know what you mean about your grandmother. So I mean you were saying that thing. I was thinking I had a similar decision making process, if you like. Like, okay, yeah, that's the reason why I went. I didn't do it because, you know, I saw a film one day and I got excited. I'm thought, oh, that's quite nice to do. It was actually a personal reason yeah. why I did it. Now the other reason the other thing that um um you said was like acting. Eleven to sixteen or eleven to sixteen. 11 years old to 16 yeah well even before that but that was when I went to full-time theatre school so that was Monday to Wednesday was academics and then Thursday and Friday all day was singing dancing and acting so I think that's I I think that's fascinating what's the word I mean just for those listeners out there look you know I I did a bit acting at school and I got GCSC I got level C in my drama and you know I've only got three C's in my life right I got three C's in my life and two of them were in English. Okay. And one of them was in drama. So actually that, <laughs> that C is actually, I, I actually in drama. I actually, I, I don't know. I, maybe everyone got a C, I don't know. But for me, I'll always remember that. And I did enjoy, I enjoyed playing a character. And because it wasn't the usual get a book, write, read and repeat, you know, that kind of thing. It was actually quite a fun thing to do, like interact with other friends and, play different storylines and you know um well we, we do that to our best but um there's my acting um and yeah I mean we are we are for those I mean social psychology right social psychology particularly we are all actors right we are all playing a role isn't it we are all playing a role in this story of life like you're Sharon right now right on this podcast but you're going to be someone else by this evening and same here, I will be someone else by this evening. I'll be 
sitting on my sitting, you know, well, laying on my couch and being, you know, what's the word, doing and being no productive at all. Like that's a different Joe, yeah. Um, yeah. Monday will be a different one. Tuesday will be a different one. I think we're all playing acting. We're all playing actors in this role. Now, why did you why did you want to um, go into acting? Like, is this from a young age? Is this something that you enjoyed? Yeah, so I've done acting, singing and dancing since I could, I can remember, honestly, I think I started when I was probably five or something. Um, I was on the West End when I was like seven. So it's always been a big part of my life. And um, I managed to get a scholarship to a really well-known theatre school. And so we obviously took that opportunity and ran with it. And throughout that time, I was also working as an actress and on as a musical theatre um, artist I guess um, so doing stuff on TV and also theatre and I did carry on doing that throughout my university degree um, but then when things slowly got busier with my dissertation I had to phase out of it. <laughs> I think that's so interesting because only why I say that is by I've never come across many who have done that sort of like um, role and would become a psychologist or studying psychology, become a, um, a reader in psychology even. Um, how did you manage your expectations at that age? Like, did you feel like, you know, when you said like, you know, you, you couldn't do it full time anymore because of studying and stuff. How was that process for you? Was it, was it, was it an easy one? Was it like, oh, I wasn't that bothered in the end anyway? Or was it like, uh, that would have been nice to do, but what can you do? How was that for you? Like, just for other listeners out there who might be thinking an alternative career path, they're in the middle of the road, they don't know what direction. Is it possible to do both? I don't know. Um, um, how was it for you? Like, what was going through your mind? Mm. Well, what? I think it was a very long process for me, um, stepping down from my professional work in acting and it's not to say that I'm never going to go back to it I could do I don't know what the future is going to bring I really don't um but it, it really happened quite slowly um it, it came to a point where auditions were slowing down for me I had to say no to a lot of them because of um because of studying and so I was able to have a long period of time of just reflecting and thinking about okay what do I want to do because right now I'm struggling to do both and as an actress, you can't go into it half-heartedly. It needs to be your whole life, I think, in order to be successful. Um, in the same way at uni, I was letting things slip there in order to go to audition. So I came to a crossroad. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, just, just for listeners, I like that. But this was an interesting question. Was it in the first year, second year, third year of the undergrad? Like, when, when was this happening? Like you were um, saying, yeah. It would have been... Yeah. Yeah, it would have been my second year because I was thinking about doing a placement um, and I did do a placement year. And so that meant a nine to five job, which doesn't work at all with acting, because with acting, you can get a call and you need to be um, at an audition in Manchester. So <laughs> it's very um, it all happens at the drop of a hat, basically. And with a placement, you can't do that. And so during the end of second year, I really thought, okay, I need to think about it properly now. And then I also was thinking about my dissertation 
um, just because I wanted to plan things and yeah everything just came to a stop a slow stop but it was it was fine and there are some days now when I think oh like it would be really fun to be back in a theatre doing doing a play or whatever but then I see some of my friends now who are still acting and the lifestyles that they lead where they can be unemployed for periods for months at a time they're able to deal with that but for me I need a sense of stability and also um something to like a journey to be on so I, I know my next steps and it is it's in my control a lot of it where it doesn't actress you don't have that and that yeah so I feel quite happy not to have that anxiety around me anymore I think that's that that's you know that's such a um, fascinating insight um to, to go from this route of like and managing that sort of um, moment and having that perspective like yeah do you know what this is and having that maturity as well isn't it like accepting within yourself like okay yeah I don't feel too I don't even feel um, bad about what I'm doing I feel I'm being you're basically being uh, true to yourself in that sense isn't it? and you're happy within yourself isn't it making that choice making that journey um, into psychology so I can see what you mean I really like what you said about observing other people's behavior through acting acting gives you well it's like training isn't it in that sense right yeah. training you to become a psychologist essentially right because that's what we do observe others isn't it <laughs> um yeah. in acting right go on and what's the, without sharing anyone's names right and you know, only whatever you feel comfortable what's the most bizarre thing you saw in acting like what was like that was a bit weird or that was like i didn't know human behavior 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 what did you anything that uh, springs to mind in that sense I mean, in one in one acting class that we did in one of our final years at um, at the theatre school I went to, we were asked to act like a colour. Um, and so that was probably the most bizarre activity that I've done, because to act like a colour, I don't know about you, but I have no idea what the colour blue or red would act like as a person. And so that's probably the most bizarre, bizarre thing. But I think with acting, I learned that I... I I've become quite accustomed to all kinds of behaviour. Nothing, nothing looks surprises weird you. to me anymore. Especially, mm. yeah, nothing surprises me. Especially attending um, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I don't know if you've heard it, heard of it before, but um, it's amazing. It's so much fun. All of the pubs and the um, just every um, venue there you can think of turns into a theatre space. And um, apparently, there was um, one without getting too graphic, but there was one play where someone um, urinated in a cup on, on stage in front of a, a massive audience. And I think to most people that would be a bit like, whoa, that's crazy. But um, yeah, as an actor, I feel like you see everything. But then again, as a psychologist, you see everything. So it has prepared me for a lot of the things that I see, yeah, day to day. Nothing to that extent though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that would be, I mean, imagine people doing that on virtual laptops and going as well, isn't it? Like in jumping in a virtual space. Yeah, it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me though. There's not that barrier. I think people think. Well, there is a barrier when you're working with someone online. They they think they're not sharing everything with everyone. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just I think obviously we need to um, protect. Uh, was it Norton Security? Whatever you know. This is not an advert for Norton Security, by the way. Just anyone listening in. <laughs> <laughs> this is not sponsored by sponsored by anyone actually. Um, but uh, <laughs> the the. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I think being thrown into that sort of zone observes your 
makes your skills a lot more sharper, brings certain experience to yourself. Um, and like you said, like you're thrown into situations like in psychology world that you'll never be prepared for, but you have to deal with it or handle it or be exposed to it and manage or process it. Um, so like when you, when you finished um, um, your undergrad, right? Actually, what was your research project all about in the final year, your dissertation? That is a good question. <laughs> I think I have to lock it out of my brain. Um, it was about um, financial concern and its impact mm -hmm. on students' well-being and whether it was mediated by a specific personality trait. Can't remember which one though. <laughs> like I said, I completely blocked it out of my head. Um, I I feel I didn't. Yeah, it was. I feel like because we didn't have that much autonomy over our, our project, it wasn't the most enjoyable experience. So we were given, um, we got to choose certain supervisors and then they chose basically what we were researching. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yes and no. Um, I enjoyed um, collecting the data and seeing the results and things like that. But I think if it was my, if I could pick my own question to be researching, I would have enjoyed it a lot more for sure. And also I think researching student population, it's been done so much that I wish it would have been, I would have liked to do research with an older population or people with learning disabilities because both of those groups really interest me. And also they're both groups where research have, hasn't been done as much. So yeah, I think if I had more choice, I would have enjoyed it more for sure. Well, I mean, a way forward, right, I was thinking, right, is that you can link up with a dynamic university, your role as an assistant psychologist, yeah. you, you can definitely play a part. Basically, they can do all the written work. Um, you, you can have, all the, you got the data, right? So think of yourself as an asset. So um, I, I know what you mean. Like, do you mean, I think, like, um, you know, I, I think as, as people in psychology or people in science or people in um, services, public services to help people who are the most vulnerable in society. Uh, we need to work together. We need to collaborate. And that's why we need people like yourself. Like, look, you know, don't drop the conversation that, like, you know, you're an e we're all equals in that sense. We are all basically pushing for the same thing to have um, better peace in our lives. Um, we're trying to prevent illnesses. Um, we're trying to have a better quality of life in that sense. Um, but um, so you do a lot of your journey and tips and advice and information and giving your perspective on your so, uh, YouTube uh, YouTube channel. Um, I, I, I watched a lot of your, um, you know, content and I just basically thought like, you know, the, the, this is someone who's actually sharing and documenting the, the actual real journey because I think we need to see what life is and what i really liked is actually there's no um what's the word there's no filter that's what i do you mean like yeah you might have all of the the, the what's the word all these of uh, the uh, what's the word, the effects whatever um but do you mean a 98 percent yeah 99 percent i feel basically there's no filter to your work like th this is real work because of do you know how i know because i work with other psychologists and assistants like oh god this is exactly what they do like this is what happens and I think you sharing that 
is really helpful. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel sometimes I feel like I share too much on my channel, but I, I think it is really important that people see the whole um, the whole picture of being an assistant and even the journey to becoming an assistant psychologist. Um, I mean, there are great YouTube videos out there, but none of them showed me that other people were failing. And I was sick of coming home after interviews and getting the phone call and just feeling like I was the only one failing. So I really wanted to be that voice or that person out there that people could relate to. And for people to know, like, it's okay to cry about not getting the job because when you've applied to hundreds and hundreds of applications and it's your third interview and then you don't get it, of course, you're going to be upset about that. It's heartbreaking. You've tried so hard and there are so many questions going on in your head. And so I just wanted to be that person that people could relate to because I was searching for that person. And it's important to have that community when the journey to into psychology is so difficult for some people. Um, but also I just, I, I really enjoy sharing my experience of being an assistant and it's a really nice way for me to um, have a space to reflect and I never saw my channel in this way before but um, just to speak about my experiences it's so nice to be able to think okay what what was my first six months of being an assistant like I have a video so I can myself see how far I've come and see my development over time so part of it is for my own personal enjoyment of being able to track my journey but yeah I just I enjoy making videos and I think it allows me to um, be not an actress because it is all very real like it is just me but it allows me to have that creative outlet that I think acting used to give me so I can put that energy somewhere else I, I first of all I agree completely with the whole it's for like your own development reflection it's like a journal isn't it basically yeah. right do you mean um I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of like why I'm doing this like podcast because it's actually more for me than it is for the listeners and for the guests I suppose it is do you mean like you know um but I, I do like listening back to it like do you mean because I listened to it a few times like oh what's the word that um that um that guest says something really really interesting like I never looked at about that before, especially if I'm struggling with anything, understanding something or, you know, if I want to help people, right, becoming, because I work in, in a range of settings, including the prison service. I don't know everything. And how do I know everything? I won't know everything. So I have to talk to other people and get their perspective so they can show me and say, look, you know, this is how they did it. And so I, I get it in that sense, journaling, sharing content and you're sharing like, what life is like and you know what you said about applying to so many jobs and having that third interview um we go through we go through emotions like frustration and it's it's, and it's, it's not just emotions it's energy isn't it it's like you feel so like drained isn't it? because it requires a lot of cognitive processing like you know cognitive overload and having someone there like okay there's another person who is going through a similar experience, but also describing what the feeling is like. Okay, do you mean it just makes it a bit more like less isolating, I think. And I think that's the reason why um, a lot of people will find your um, content really useful. I mean, I signpost it to um, a lot of the students that I teach. I say, look, you know, don't think life is too straightforward. And, you know, after life, after, you know, degree in psychology, mm -hmm. look at this person 
with a real person, yeah, um, twenty twenty whatever. Um, just just basically just follow them, like see how what's happening in their lives and what the process has been like. Then you'll understand not to be be basically be patient with yourself, like don't be hard on yourself, like do you know what I mean because it is hard. It is it's not as easy. Look at this individual, um, who's going through the career choices and the career changes, um, but. Is there any sort of like I know what you mean like sometimes about holding stuff back? I mean I don't hold I don't I there's certain things I hold back obviously on on social media profiles and you know um, most of it raising a glass and stuff um, no comment <laughs> um, but uh, the thing is like um, uh, yeah we have to basically protect ourselves right Jamin um, for our own for own sake and I don't share everything like Jamin I only share what I think is important in that moment and the rest stuff we keep to ourselves, like my private self in that sense. Um, how have you managed that basically just out of interest? Like how do you manage what to put, put out? And it's not just on YouTube, but on, on social media and how to hold back. Like I do it. I just think to myself, okay, there's certain bits I will never ever communicate, but that's too personal, too private. Yeah. Um, um, you know, going to the toilet and stuff for that. Do you mean like no one will ever do that, right? Do you mean that? Would, I mean, that'd get you banned, you know, for anyone yeah. thinking of doing that. Don't do that. Well, well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's you the thing, isn't it? Face. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you saw if you saw, if you saw that in the acting world, you know, what's the people urinating in a cup and stuff in front of an audience? And who knows, isn't it? Like, do you mean, like, you know, yeah. um, but I think, uh, well, how do you, how do you manage like what to keep in there? what's personal and what what's okay to share like how do you make that decision yeah. for other people like might be thinking okay Sharon does it that way okay that provides a bit of I mean maybe it's, it's worth you doing a video sometime over it yeah that, that's yeah that's a good idea um I mean I find myself I do share a lot of my life I have I, I'm an oversharer I I always share things with everyone um which I don't mind because I think it's helpful but I think with my channel that's why I've had to set really clear boundaries for myself um there are some topics which I will never speak about um either because I don't feel comfortable about it or because I don't think the comments will be a healthy place for people to speak about these issues um I like to keep my channel quite positive where I can so um without being naive to what's going on in the world because I, I think you have to strike a balance between being all positive on your channel but then also there's bigger things going on um but in terms of because I do speak about work I always think about okay is this helpful what I'm saying or am I just sharing it for the sake of it but also if anyone from work or if any of the clients were to stumble across my videos would they be happy about what I'm saying right now and what I'm sharing um, and just having that thought in the back of my mind, obviously I will never share anything confidential about any of the people that I work with, but if there is a clip where I'm unsure, then those are the questions that are going through my head, um, is how they would feel if they saw the clips. Like confidentiality and stuff like that. Yeah. Because mm. um, I never, I've never mentioned anything, but if I come home and there, it has been a hard day at work and I'm sharing about it, I just think about what am I saying in this clip and am I sharing too much? Is it, um, could it potentially identify someone? Um, but I think if I, if I um, think about it from their point of view, that helps me to put, yeah, I don't know why, rather than seeing it through my own eyes, thinking of it from their perspective gives me clearer vision.
I think. I think look, I think that that's I think that is such a um, useful what's the word um, advice and perspective and I think yeah a video or some content or some information would be so helpful not just for 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 me but um, for um, some of the listeners who want to make content like yourself who might be following you and stuff like that. I want to share my journey but there are safeguards and there are um, confidentiality sort of like ethics we have to follow and remember that's part of our discipline is in psychology we we follow the ethics um, but also how do you um, then filter out all of the stuff um, it's a technique it's a skill but it's possible if you follow a certain procedure um, so it's it's I think I think you know we're in this world um, right now where we, we you know we're transitioning into the virtual world right digital age and stuff like that um, and so we're making this transition and you're one of those people who are basically helping us to understand the process of like, um, okay, if we're going to share in the digital space, what do we leave out and how do we do it in that sense? Like, how do we come to the point of like protecting people? So don't people don't become identifiable. Yeah. Is there certain questions we have to ask? Is there certain form we have to follow do you mean and i think it helped us as people who put out content um out there and it's not any different to what it was before like you know like the rules are still the same isn't it it's just in a digital space the rules are the same it's always in the same um i tend to not to talk about like yeah i don't try to talk about any names any specific places um, which identifies people um because yeah you know i always think about seeing it from their perspective like what would it be like in that sense and how so that you know we're talking about social so, social relationships here isn't it has your social relationships has changed or have they developed have they grown have they had that an impact since you've made the route into becoming a psychologist since you undergrad days to where you are now yeah I mean I don't think not with any of my um, friends and um, people who have been in my life for forever so but I think when meeting new people um, and you and they ask you what you do and you say oh I, I'm, I'm an assistant psychologist they do the whole oh so can you read my mind kind of thing and then um, which we can't <laughs> in that way but I think there is this perception that we are judgmental and I think that's where it's completely wrong because we're probably the least judgmental profession out there um, so that can be quite um, difficult but I haven't really had to meet anyone new because of lockdown so um, in terms of relationships I don't think it has changed me that much although I guess I can where there are problems in relationships, I can kind of see now maybe why that's happening, whether there's a power dynamic at play here, especially with my mum sometimes. <laughs> Try to keep my mum out of the house, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's given me a better understanding, but I don't think it's changed any of the relationships really so far. We'll see when I get onto the doctorate, though. If I get onto the doctorate, um, it could change then. <laughs> no, I think, that, yeah, absolutely. This is this especially with your um close relationships um there's uh, it's interesting isn't it like you know we, we we you're right you know we're not we're not judgmental people we're actually the opposite we're more understanding than judgmental because we understand 
why you might be doing things and we don't think that you're you're, you're this type of person is because there are impacts of like why 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 we why we're doing what we're doing um which is the you know um the t- uh, the subtitle for the for the podcast you know why we do what we do um uh yeah this it'd be interesting to see like you know um how your journey progresses and develops over time what's your plans now so i've applied to the um, doctor in clinical psychology this year just for a practice run really i'm not really expecting much from it but we'll see um i'm going to stay with the job that i'm at now um i was thinking about um, broadening my experience but with covid i don't think i've gotten the most out of my post um because there was quite a big pause in some of the things that we were doing it was quite uncertain and i've only really become confident quite recently in my job so I thought okay I'll stay for a bit longer so I'll be doing the same job that I've been doing for probably another year more and then I'll just keep applying to the doctorate and um how do people want if people want to get in touch with you and you know find out about what your channel is what do they do like how do they best how's the best way to um to find you yeah, so um, if you want to watch some of my YouTube videos, just type in Sharon B on YouTube. My Instagram is Sharon B Psych, and so is my Twitter, Sharon B Psych. So yeah, that's where I can be found. <laughs> Thanks so much for Sharon. Um, I've basically learned a lot. I didn't know what's the word that the acting, and I see what you mean. Like I always take it for granted. Around acting is such a um, like, you know, psychologists sort of like um, it's what we do we observe and we learn and we try and find out and we get into character and I think it has it has a lot of um, a, a big role to play in the way society sees it because you know films movies things like that where information can't be coming out in other places history books and you know uh, what's the word uh, intelligence and whatever it needs to be coming out in a different medium, you know, mm. um, specifically about morals, lessons, you know, um, and big, big event, big life events. Um, so I think art has a role to play, basically, and you know, in the, in the field of like movies and theatres, and because they tell us something, you know, um, that other other places can't. Um, mm. So thank you so much for sharing that and. Um, also your perspectives on your journey into becoming an assistant psychologist and you know the day-to-day role and uh, uh, what inspired you to get in there now before I go um, I'm going to hand over the mic to you Mm -hmm. Um, and if you want to leave any sort of like whatever is on your mind right now for the listeners um, perhaps yeah whatever you feel like you want to uh, support maybe about perseverance um, about you know keeping going um motivation something that you feel like this is what i want to share with um with the world right now and then when you stop speaking i'll stop uh recording okay great um i guess something that helps to motivate me is figuring out why Uh, make sure you have a good reason behind what you're doing for me the reason why I like to do things is because I just want to help people Um, I mean my grandma used to say 
no one lives forever but your good deeds do and I think I carry that with me so just figure out what your why is have it in a nice little sentence and hopefully that will help you to persevere if you're trying to get into psychology so yeah thank you available on all podcast platforms this is the psychology cast the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do